Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. That was wonderful. Now I wish somebody filmed it. But uh, it's awesome. I can't explain that when I get... Anyway. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 this morning. What a privilege. I want to show you a little picture. This is quite funny. Let's have a look at this. In the London Portrait Gallery, there's a picture called Sunflowers. And, you know, me and my wife, we're getting old. We're trying to see a bit of culture. And so we go into London, and we're standing right in front of a picture called Sunflowers by Vincent van Gogh. I mean, I was this cl- I could have stole it. <laughs> and I'm looking at this, and it's beautiful. I mean, I'm getting into this now as an older man. And it is be- he made the flowers cry. If you ever see this picture, it's so beautiful. It's regarded as priceless. They don't put a price on it. This is also on the left, on the left hand side of our picture here, is a painting by famous Spanish artist Elias Garcia Martinez. It's called uh, Eke Homo, which is Behold the Man. And uh, one day, 81-year-old Cecilia Jimenez decided she was gonna <laughs> she should decide she's going to fix it because it's deteriorating. And so she applied a paintbrush and it became the image on the right. It's now called Echo Mono, Behold the Monkey. She thought she could repair it, but she defaced it. How many know what we're involved in? There's people out there, they think they can repair what we're doing. They think they're gonna come along and change and tweak the gospel. Something so sacred and so powerful that it's worked in every nation under heaven. And yet we have a new wave of people who, besides all popular opinion, are saying they're going to change the gospel. You know, this is often called the old simple gospel. Healing and salvation to every tongue and every nation. But our biggest threat is not gays, it's not Muslims, Catholics or any other sinners that God loves them and he wants them to be saints. Our biggest threat is the religious community. And I want to preach a sermon. I came here to preach revival, but God was like, no, I want you to preach this. And I'm like, but Lord, I'm just going to come as an evangelist. Do what I say, son. And so I'm going to preach this sermon. It's called The Old Way. Acts 3, verse 22. The Old Way. Verse 22 says these words. It says, For Moses truly said to the fathers... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from amongst the people. Father, help us right now to understand that what we're doing cannot be tampered with. It cannot be messed with. I pray bring a redefinition, a redefining, a sharpness to this people. I thank you for this great people. And I ask you to use me mightily, God, 
Let none of my words fall to the ground. Help me to preach with economy, with wisdom, with humility. And I pray, God, touch every one of these souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Nowadays, people think they're going to rebrand companies, you know. Coca-Cola's image is getting a bit old, so they're going to go for a rebranding. And what they're doing is they're trying to do this with the gospel. They're trying to teach a new way. Now, I, I had a vision when I was a new convert of Wembley Stadium full of people. And that vision has kept me and it's held me in place because I saw it and you, I could not deny what I saw. And Pastor Jimmy Robinson also had the same vision. And then we spoke about it and we were amazed. You had the same vision? This is obviously something that's going to come to pass. And the Bible bears this out. In the last days, revival is going to take place. And I believe I'm privileged enough to be able to see it before I die. But you see, there's lots of forces. You know, the emerging church, no ties, you know. Hawaiian shirts, relaxed, relatable. Todd Grungy, shall we call him. He's the preacher with the tats, you know. He's the one who's cool. The cool preacher. Then you've got the, the drinking preacher. I'm not going to mention names, but you kind of know where I'm going. The emerging church. They're disillusioned with the old ways. They see a new vision and they have a new way of doing it. Their, 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 their mission statement is, we want to deconstruct modern Christian worship, modern evangelism, and the nature of postmodern Christian community. This sounds pretty good when you read into what they're trying to do. They want to feed the poor. They want to visit the sick. They want to visit prisoners. They want to uh, stop contemporary slavery. They want to follow environmental causes. This sounds great until you look deeper because they also want to have no leadership. They are inherently ecumenical. Mars Hill's Rob Bell says, I affirm the truth anywhere in any religious system and in any worldview. If it's true, it belongs to God. Muhammad Ali's funeral. He was a man of God. No, he wasn't. Look, I love Muhammad. When I was a kid, I didn't have a father. He was my dad figure. But he was not a man of God. I'm sorry. But you see, the modern world, you know, everybody, it's all right. Everybody's going to be in heaven. Everyone. No. The word of God predicts this. 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. The old way is the way of power, however. See, what should we do in response to this? See, this is all trying to creep into our churches. This is trying to creep into our young men and women. This is trying to creep into our young church kids who've grown up in this church, but then they've heard a whisper come through from some emerging church, and they've come back here and they've said, man, you're doing it old-fashioned. What should our response be? Well, the text says, if you won't listen to Christ and do what he did, you'll be destroyed. And so I think our response is pretty simple in light of that. We need to do exactly what this Bible says. 2 Timothy 4.5 says, Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In other words, return to the old way. Proclaiming the Lord. Crying out against the sin of the city. Like a nutcase. I remember I used to, when I was pastoring in Tottenham, I'd be in morning prayer and God would say to me, right, I want you to go down the train station and cry out against the wickedness of this city. And I'd be like, but Lord, I'm going to look like a crazy man. He'd be like, exactly. 
That's exactly what I want. I want my crazy men out there in the parks, in the street corners, the, the crazy psychotic preacher. I want that. That is what I want. That is what Ezekiel was. That is what Jeremiah was. That's what Isaiah was. That's what they all were. They were crazy. The world looked at them and said, look at these guys. And that is what I want from you, son. So I'd go down to Tottenham and I'd stand up there, you know, for five minutes. Just think, am I really going to do this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost, I'd be like, the blood of Jesus was shed on the... And I'll tell you, it was the most exhilarating experience. People looking at you, for the first five minutes, they're thinking he's crazy. But for the second five minutes, they're saying, he art a prophet. Because the Holy Ghost begins to confirm your words. The Spirit of God begins to stand next to you and begins to confirm everything that you say. And suddenly, you're no longer the crazy man. Suddenly, you're the preacher. You know, my phone, if you're trying to pick it up on a, a network, it says, the preacher. I am the preacher. And I don't follow the deconstruction of truth. I don't follow the emerging new rebranding. I follow the Bible because the Bible says, cry out against the wickedness of the city and preach the gospel to every creature. See, this is not a new thing. This emerging thing. This is not new. The emerging church was in the Bible. In the time of Samuel, the emerging church said, give us a king like the nations around us. We're going to rebrand the children of Israel. Samuel comes on the scene. 1 Samuel 12, 17, he, he answers the emerging church. He says, is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great. The Bible says he calls on the Lord, thunder and rain comes, the people greatly fear the Lord and Samuel. And they say, pray for your servants that we will not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. It was a demonstration of power that revealed the people's wickedness. And it's the same in our text. In Acts 3, what's going on is that they are preaching the gospel and they pray for a man. This man gets healed. And then eventually, if you follow the story, the Pharisees grab them and say, Hey, come here. We don't want you preaching like that again. And they say, You know what? We don't care what you think, we're going to do it. Even if you kill us. You know why? Because we serve the living God. And they begin to demonstrate the power of God. They're not going to go into a debate about whether or not they're right or the Pharisees are right. They're just going to demonstrate the power of God. There's no debate about issues. They're just going to demonstrate that God is God. Same thing happens in 1 Kings. Elijah is all alone, surrounded by the whole of Israel. They think he's crazy. I want to just say something here. If you're a young man, you want to preach the gospel, you're going to be alone. Get ready to be alone. But you know what the good thing is? You're going to be alone with God. <laughs> anyway. First <laughs> Kings 18. The Bible says the fire of the Lord falls and consumes the burnt sacrifice and when the people see it, they fall on their faces and they say, the Lord, he is God. Once again, a demonstration of power. No argument, no debate. Should we wear ties? Should we drive a BMW? Should we wear Hawaiian shirts or should we wear classical English? What should we do? We're not answering you. We're just going to show you the power of God. It's the same thing that they do in the text. Earlier on in verse 6, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw. And they said, wow, we're not down with the rebranding thing anymore. We want the old way. So we can argue about leadership structures and the one religion concept and ecumenicalism and Allah and Mary, but we can't argue with power. I want to show you some footage. This was taken last week in London. Let's have a look at this. We want revival. Can you say amen? In this weird postmodern Christian age, we're going to get revival when we demonstrate power. There's not going to ever be revival without healing and without power. We've shown you in the Bible. Let's look at this. This is last week in London. There's, there's a clip here I really, really want to show you. This is this kid. He's a cast out. Hate Blood of Jesus. He'll sleep totally. Loose him right now. Curse the face. Be hidden to the ankle. Go in Jesus. Oh my goodness. What happened? No pain anymore. Okay, I can pray a sinner's prayer. Jesus will take your sin out, okay? Say, Jesus, come in my heart and forgive all my sin. Don't you feel the man? I don't know. You see the reality of Christianity? So they can take care of you, okay? Come on, come on. I'm doing a documentary. Yeah, cool. You can say it like that. Yeah, that's fine, man. I swear that. I'm telling the story, man. So what happened with the football? I even bought some wraps because I wanted to play football tomorrow, but it was hurting me. And I wasn't sure if I could play, but... The pain is gone. You're not going to need the wraps anymore? No, no. I swear that. I'm not even playing. Jesus knows you, man. Jesus is real. Yeah. No, I knew that. I knew that, brother. Seriously. You're okay to use that for a documentary that we're doing, no? Nice one, brother. Nice one. Okay, we're going to show another one. This is a, a kid who gets healed. No. Oh, no, let's see this. My name is Lefer. And what happened to... I, my name is Lefer. And uh, I was blind from an accident. And now I can see maybe 70%. Right, what happened? This gentleman prayed for you, right? That gentleman over there. Yeah? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that's right. And, uh, spiritual uh, good. Yeah, you feel good, right? Yeah. Listen, thank you for saying that. Thank yes. you very much. This guy was blind, man. I mean, you know, come on. He's blind. He's walking down the street, a blind man, blind in one eye. We pray for him, his eye opens. Now, we could go from there to talk about the structure of the theological debate concerning the, the Trinity and the... Why don't we talk about the ecumenical... No, we're not arguing with you. We end... We, we finish the argument by demonstrating. This is what God wants. Now, I hope you're still with me when I say this. Because what God wants is he's seeking people who are crazy enough to put their reputation on the line and tell people about this power and demonstrate it. He's always looking for people. Ezekiel 22 verse 30, I sought for a man amongst them. Who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Isaiah 59, 16, 
He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Jeremiah 5.1, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth that I may pardon her. See, what's happening in this generation is that the emerging church is abdicating its responsibility to be that man and that woman. They're rebranding. And they're hiding behind programs, but God wants his real church to emerge. How? Through park outreaches, through evangelism, through healing. We're taking healing and salvation to every tongue and every nation. Got it in my soul. Got it in my soul. He needs a people. Now, not necessarily a people full of boldness, but a people he can fill with boldness. You may think that I'm up here, I'm all bold, and I'm just, you know, I'm just incredible. No, no, I can tell you story after story, times when God has told me, I want you to pray for that person, I want you to go on that bus, and I want you to preach to those people, stand on that train, and declare, and, and every single time, I've been like, well, really? You want me to do this now? And God's like, yes. And suddenly, that, that feeling comes. <laughs> and you're like, the blood of Jesus, was shed <laughs> to separate. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not necessarily a people full of boldness, but a people he can fill with boldness. And as he finds those crazy people, the door, the potter's house, as he finds us in the highways and hedges, in the rough places of life, in southeast London, which I'm telling you right now is not very nice. The places where he found us, man. When I look around our church, I see the people who they were wearing suits, and I'm looking, this is incredible, Lord. I know him. I know her. I know me. And I look where what God has done. Because we were just crazy enough, just psycho enough, just to read the Bible and take it literally and say, if I declare the name of Jesus, God is going to move with power. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for education. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for revelation and availability. Amen. That's what he's looking for. And there's people here right now, that is you. God will fill you with boldness. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord with one place. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Suddenly there came from heaven a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they could not shut up about Jesus. We read in Matthew 25, as we're moving on, as I'm closing about the separation of the sheep and the goats. And we think, well, that's just for after the rapture. That's for, after, that's for another time. But you know what? The process is beginning now. We are choosing for ourselves. We are choosing to be sheep or goats. We're either going to be sheep and follow the old way. Our text says, Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things. Whatever he says to you, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from amongst the people. We're either going to follow him like a sheep 
or we're going to come with some new way of doing everything. We're going to challenge the old way. We're going to say, hey, man, you know what? That's old. I don't want to wear a tie. You know, I've got guys, in my, I'm assisting in Wolfenstein. I'm looking, I'm, I've got these young guys, and they're like, I don't want to wear a tie. And I'm saying to them, well, why don't you want to wear a tie? I, and I explained to them, I said, if I went into a, a hardware store, and there was a guy with a tat and earrings, and then there was another guy with a nice haircut and wearing a tie, which one of them, am I, which one of them am I going to approach and ask for help? Mr. Tat over here. Or am I going to talk to the guy who looks like he knows what he's doing? That's why we wear ties. You think I like wearing ties? The only reason I dress like this, if it was down to me, if I was going to, I'd, I'd have long flowing dreadlocks, man. I'd, I'd be cool, man. I'd be driving a, be, a Beetle convertible. You know, I'd be, hey, everybody, everything is everything. It's beautiful. I'm beautiful. You're beautiful. We're beautiful, man. It would be a, such a weird, you, my church would be a weird church. There'd be no standards, no tires, everything would be groovy, and everyone would be going to hell. Because love sets a boundary, man. But we're choosing right now. Many people have served God a long time. They're dry, they're tired. The new ways of the emerging church are seductive to them. They sound right, feeding the poor, visiting the sick. And we say, hey, why don't we do any of this? Because we're too busy crying out against the city. If you really love people, you don't feed them, you preach to them. Does that make sense to anybody here? You know, you can get distracted, feed this and do that, and do the mothers and single mothers and single gay mothers and this and that. And, or you can just preach the gospel and that sort everything out. Amen. Even as in Walthamstow, I'm sure that many people are disappearing from this church and then resurfacing, old, long-time saints, resurfacing in some groovy church down the street where there's more love and there's more care for the community. But the greatest love we can show people is preach to them. See, the book of Acts was a book of action, not a book of debate. We must act now. And those who choose to act are described in Daniel 12, 3. It says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is a selfie generation. So narcissistic as to be nauseous to the spirit of God. Self-indulgent, self-promoting, self-centered. And as a result of that, completely depressed, completely dysfunctional, completely upset, completely wrong. And all those involved in this self-centeredness are sickened by others who are also involved in it because they see in the others what is wrong in themselves, which is self-obsession. Therefore, this generation is tearing itself apart because everyone is sickened by everyone else's narcissism, but they themselves are involved in the same narcissism that they are sickened by. And the only people with any objective viewpoint on this is us. We look in and we see what they're doing. We see how they're selfishly, self-indulgent, Involving themselves in self-narcissism, it's just, it's, 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 it's nauseating to the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is, is a giving spirit. And so here we are, we're in the middle of this. We can't change these people by relating to them, by indulging their narcissism, by telling them, hey, you know what, this is all about you. We love you. You know, narcissistic worship songs, 
God loves me. I am the center of his love. He loves me. It's, you know what? It's, it's a little bit sickening. Because God, although God loves us, what he wants is us to worship him. We are going to be liberated from self, from self-centeredness, from this narcissistic emerging generation, simply by forgetting ourselves. You know, dead men have no ego. You know, when you're dead, you're not going to be worried about whether you look good in front of everyone. All right? <laughs> When's the last time you was at a funeral and the dead body sat up and said, hey, am I looking good? good. Did, you catch, did you catch my right side on that, on that last photo? What did I look like? Pe- dead people have no desire to promote themselves. And when you get saved, the only escape from this narcissistic, selfish, self-centered generation is to die to yourself and completely live for Jesus, and completely don't care what this world says about you anymore, and completely go on the street like a psychopath, and completely just represent Jesus. Because dead people don't care anymore. Oh, someone from the office might see me. So what? I'm dead anyway. See, what is the end of the self-indulgent emerging mess? It shall be destroyed. Because our text says, every soul who will not hear the prophet, which is speaking about Jesus Christ, shall be utterly destroyed from amongst the people. You want to be free from this? Do the old way. Go the old way, do the old thing. If you believe in the old ways, you must act. And I know this world thinks we're crazy. I know this world looks on us and says, those people at the door, and they do this kind of head movement. Oh, somebody from the door spoke to me today. It was so boring. You know, they say the same thing. You know, they say the same thing for 30 years. They're so, so dogmatic, so pragmatic, so static. Well, let me tell you something. We're right. We should never be embarrassed. We should never be intimidated. We should never be coerced into some new way, some rebranding. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we're taking healing and salvation to every tongue and every nation. And we are the ambassadors of the King of Kings. We are the ambassadors of the Lord of Lords. We follow the great and mighty Lamb of God. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved than the name which we walk in. And so for us to be intimidated into wearing Hawaiian shirts and serving Starbucks in the foyer, I'm sorry, no. No, we're going to keep doing what we did. Even if our own young people rise up and say, oh, that's so lame, so old-fashioned. Okay, we'll just demonstrate the power. We'll show you what we're doing. We won't talk about it no more. You know, the problem is, though, as I'm closing, those who act are bold. You know, in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.19, Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. These men were confident because they acted on their convictions. If you believe, you must act. If you act, your confidence will grow. If you do not act, your confidence will shrink. And eventually what will happen is you will be seduced. You will have itching ears. And it was simply because you didn't do anything about what you knew. You know, it's a crime just to not act on what we know. 
Because this world needs to know what we know. Regardless of whether we feel like doing this or not, we need to do this. Because this world without us is in big trouble. We are preserving this world. We are the salt and the light of this world. And if we do not act, this world definitely accelerates its descent into hell. This morning, 50 people died the other day. The news came in today. A gunman killed. This world is going crazy. You know, the devil is not reserved about his promotion of his madness. He feels no way about getting his people to loudly proclaim their funky wickedness. He's not worried about getting his people to do gay Mardi Gras. Come on, shake it. He's not, he's not worried about that. He's not worried about the man-boy love association of America promoting themselves. Do you know the world we're in right now is insane? And the people in it, they, they've got no shame. They will parade their stuff out there. They don't care. So why do we care? Why should we care what people think of us? We're just another psycho then, surely. Except that we're psychos for Christ. You know, I'd rather die preaching on the street and get shot by some crazy man than die in my bed because I was too afraid to confront the sin that was in my generation. I'd rather die on the streets, my last breath, Jesus! Than just die in my bed, too intimidated. Oh, just... Uh, what will people think? Who cares what they think? You know, 90% of them are going to think you're crazy, but there's that 10% who are never going to ever forget what you said to them. They're going to be like, 10 years from now, what must I do to be saved? I just remember that crazy black man. I just remember him. I can't get him out of my head. This is the effect. The word of God never returns void, but people need to hear it for it not to return void. We must be the preacher in our workplace, on our jobs, in our community. We must be the preacher. Yes, I know the media has done a great job at making us look absolutely insane. They make us look like, you know, there's this character in this thing called The Simpsons. You ever seen that? This Christian character. He's a total weirdo. Hypocrite. He wears a toupee or something. I don't know. It's weird. And that's what the world says that we are. But, you know, we don't care what you think. Because the everlasting flaming gospel will never die. It will never return void. What we need to be is not the emerging church. We need to be the submerged church. What is the submerged church? The submerged church is the church that's submerged in the Holy Ghost. Totally immersed in the spirit of God with no regard for the flesh, no regard for what the world thinks, no regard for popularity, almost a bit obnoxious, just a tiny, but just crazy for Christ. This is what the world needs to see. You know, they're not going to get saved. You know, I've got cousins who are armed robbers. One of my cousins, his name's Basil. He is an armed robber. He made his fortune. He now lives in a beautiful luxury penthouse. He made his fortune through armed robbery. Do you think that I could passively present the gospel to Basil? Six foot one, super body built Basil who doesn't care. He's not going to listen if I... Apologi excuse me, Basil, can I, can I explain to you, you know, your, the sins that you're involved in? It's taking you to hell, Basil. Can I explain? Move! Move from me! That's what he's going to say. Move from me, boy. You're an idiot. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
The only, the only thing he's going to understand is if I say to him, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, Basil. You're in big trouble. That's, that's the only thing he's going to hear. Someone who's on fire. We need to be submerged. See, the submerged church is not like the emerging church. The submerged church is submerged in power. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem. Wait on God. Don't try and do this yourself. See, the emerging church is like King Saul in Samuel, 1 Samuel 13. The Bible says he's waiting for Samuel to come. Samuel hasn't come, so he's offering his own sacrifice. He's doing his own thing in his own idea, his own flesh. And that's what the emerging church is doing. They're doing their own thing. They're crafting the gospel in a different way. They're, remo- they're having dialogue. They're talking about things like the Trinity, about whether or not it's okay for homosexuals to be ministers. That is not a debate. I'm sorry. That is not debatable. But you see, this is what Saul did. He said, you know, the people, Samuel's not here, so I'm going to offer my own sacrifice. And Samuel says, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God. You've not listened to the prophet, and you shall be destroyed. But the submerged church waits in Jerusalem. Listen to what I'm saying. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till I come. We've been waiting a long time. Amen? I've been waiting a long time for revival. 25 years I've been saved. And I've seen sparks here and there. But I've been waiting a long time to see the heart pouring that's mentioned in Acts chapter 2. I've been waiting a long time to see Joel come to pass. It shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your men servants and on your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. I've been waiting a long time for this. But I believe we're on the threshold of it right now. And I also believe that the thing that's going to accelerate this is when God's people decide to stop uh, trying to manufacture something and start to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Start to say, you know what, we need the Holy Ghost. We're going to tarry in Jerusalem. I remember my good friend, my cousin, Pastor Stacey Dillon, he said to me once, when he was a new convert, he said he drew a circle, and he has no idea the influence of this comment around himself, and he said, God, bring revival to everything in this circle. And that's what we need to do. And that right there is going to accelerate the revival that God is going to bring. It ain't going to happen until we begin to tarry and wait on it. Instead of offering our own little sacrifice, doing our own thing, We've got to submerge ourselves in the Holy Ghost. And as we do that, the Spirit of God's going to come upon us. And as we go out filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is going to touch sinners. We're seeing unprecedented revival right now in Wolfhamstow. We hired an evangelist, Edwin Yonkout, to come for us for one month, to go on the street every day and do outreaches, healing outreaches. He goes out, he gets a gazebo, he writes up there, Expect a miracle. Prayer for the sick. He gets a chair. He says, excuse me, we're praying for the sick. Sit in his chair. People sit in the chair. They get healed. A crowd gathers. And then the faith level escalates. And then a blind guy gets healed. And then the the, the word on the street is, we're going down that church. We've seen Lithuanians. The other day we had a service where there was Polish people, Lithuanians, Romanians, all being translated. Italians. There's There's not enough translation equipment. Because the Holy Ghost is bringing Parvians and Medes, people from Mesopotamia. They're coming in, man, because we accelerated 
the revival by doing something. Let me, let me just say that. I said all that to say this. So often, men are looking to God. And so often, God is looking to men. I was on outreach one time in a place called Southend. And we're out on the streets. Me and evangelist Yao, I'll say Bobby. He wasn't an evangelist then. I wasn't a pastor. But we're on the streets. We have the Holy Ghost. And we're, we're frustrated. We want God to move. We're like, man, nothing's happening. What should we do? Let's do something. So we start witnessing. Nothing's really happening. And I look and I see this guy selling fruit and veg. Come and love, get your apples. Two pound a pound. Come on, girls. Come up here, get your bananas. Screaming. No shame. I said, you know what? He ain't got no shame. I ain't got no shame. And I stood on a park bench. The Bible says! <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, it was wonderful. And then Yao gets up there with his long arms. The Bible says, repent. Have you heard this guy? Pre- I mean, he's just like a windmill. <laughs> repent of your sin. He's got a little African. The Bible says, you must turn from your wickedness. A massive crowd gathers. Man, we saw so many people saved because God was waiting for us. You know, we're standing up there. God, we want you to move. God's saying, I want you to move. If you move, I will move with you. Wherever the place where the sole of your foot shall tread, I will give to you. If you step out, I will part the Red Sea. If you make a move, I'm going to make a move with you. Stop looking at me and start doing something. Because when his people moved out, man, his spirit moved out with a cloud above them. When his people moved out, man, the fire came. When his people made a move, he moved. We're waiting on God. God's waiting on us. There ain't no new way. It's the old way. Healing and salvation to every tongue and every nation. Let's bow our heads this morning. Amen. Hallelujah.